Welcome to a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club. So here we are, the bevy's first inaugural AFLW episode as we head into our second season into 2023. So expect to hear a lot more of us as the year goes on and the girls get going for this big season of growth. So to all your Cygnus and Swanlings out there, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved bloods. Hi, I'm Chris from A Bevy of Bloods, and I am here with one half of the inaugural bevy, the one and only Steve-O. Mate, great to have you here to celebrate our AFLW team. Mate, it's great to be here. I'm, I'm really excited for this season, like really excited, and it seems like a long time too. I think our last game was 29th of October 2022, so last year. That <laughs> seems like a long time ago, so I'm, I'm really keen to, to get stuck into it. Well, we know that the girls needing that extra time off then the preseason that went with it and the organisation. We'll get into all of that in a second. Um, so, look, let's get stuck into it. What we're going to do, to for everyone out there is listening in, this is obviously a first podcast for us uh, from the AFLW. It's like a preseason thing. Uh, we're here to kind of educate a little bit. So we'll talk about um, last year's season, how the Swans got in, the general like um, uh, thrust into the AFLW for the Swannies, um, the preseason that we've had, uh, any movements and players that we've got, and then we'll have some fun and make some predictions. So, look, let's get stuck into it. Um, AFLW is into its eighth year, Steve-O, and last year was uh, – we, we can talk about it. The Swans went into it. We'll get a, bit, a little bit into it. Effectively, the Dees beat uh, the Lions in the grand final as one and two got at each other. Daisy Pierce, of course, getting her, I think, her second grand final for retiring and heading off to do some coaching and everything else, mate. Anything you want to point out there, uh, specifically about the AFLW Season 7 2022? Um, just that, actually, I reckon, yeah, because it's a bit confusing with the like the timeline and the calendar of the AFLW because this will be the seventh year since 2017 that there's been teams playing in the AFLW. We're coming into the eighth season and six premierships have been awarded because the 2020 season was cancelled halfway through the season. So so even though this this is coming into the eighth actual year of competition, in 2022 we had two premierships awarded. So that's why we talk about last year, 2022, as season seven. This is season eight. So it's, it's sometimes easier just to think about season numbers rather than years with the AFLW because of that, that messed up COVID-affected timeline. And they keep moving it around, right? So that's the other thing. Yeah. So now that we hope that all the all the teams are in, the, the system is organised, they're still talking about how many games to play, but it, it seems like the positioning is going to be tailing out of the men's competition. So obviously we start next next week um, during that bye week between the regular season and the finals for the men's and then going on from there. So the we'll talk about our preferences, but effectively that is what it is. So now you're going to hear it, should be hearing it to be – uh, essentially assigned to each year, so the 2023, 2024, etc. Prior to that, it kind of went over summer. The girls were playing in freaking 30-degree heat. That was bollocks. But now I think, for the most part, we are organized into a winter-slash-spring competition, which is super fun. Well, mate, look, the, the Swans' entry into the competition had was, was particularly interesting, right? We had ourselves, um, I think it was four weeks to put a list together, 10 weeks of preseason before the season started. So there was almost no time to get going. 
um it, it seemed like it, it's kind of it sounds really mean uh, and we can understand why the ladder looked the way that it did and how we went but the swans were always keen on making sure that this was a growth season this was a season of like developing themselves understanding the players understanding a system putting that together tom harley um and a couple of the leaders were always very very clear on all of that um bombers port and hawks also joined the Swannies for their first season last season. So we're bringing all this up because I'm sure there's a lot of um, Swans fans out there that don't necessarily know what happened last year or hadn't been paying too much attention, but are just happy that we've got girls in. So this year is going to be a big season for us in growth. The girls have had a full preseason to go with it. Um, and I guess well, let's get talking about some of the Swans uh, leadership then. Um, coach, starting off there is Scott Gowans, who originally came from North Melbourne, mate. Um, wh- what do you know about Scotty Gowans as he came into the Swans and got hired up by us for our inaugural season? He came in very highly regarded and um, for his work and development. He'd, he'd coached a lot in women's footy prior to coming in to the Swans program. And and you look at the, the way that he worked with his group of girls last year. I mean, they only had 10 games together. Like you said, they had a 10-week preseason and then a, a 10-match season. And we'll talk about this a bit more when we when we recap the season in a moment, but the development through the season was very clear. And and that mm-hmm. makes me think that there's really good buy-in from the playing group and that they're playing um, you know, to a game plan and that they're, they're behind what the coach is trying to do. And I like that he brings that into the team, that stability, but also that, um, that drive I think is really important and he seems to have plenty of that. Yeah, and it seems that there's a lot of respect that goes his way from quite a few players. He's very, very well, well regarded. He actually came from North Melbourne, if you remember. Um, took them to 11 wins in 14 games, so that's phenomenal. Uh, and then they sacked him. And I, I don't know whether the sacking was something that was pre-organized or whether he was always going to move on after a certain time, but it seemed like there's a bit of something in it. Um, so we kind of picked him up and got quite lucky with it. And he was... Like you said, well regarded and well known uh, in the industry, including um, you know coaching VFL uh, VFL teams. Uh, I think out of Geelong, um, coached the under 18s uh, teams into a national championship, and he very much understands women's football specifically, even to the point. I think it's on um, the Talking AFLW podcast, uh, which is the one that's released by the Sydney Swans, and I recommend everyone listen to it. And he, when he was interviewing with Horse. Him and Horse were going back and forth about strategies, about football and just general items there. And then at some point, he started disagreeing with Horse to be like, that's great in the men's, but in the women's, this is what happens. This is what we need to focus on. This is the thing. And he's immediately started making a lot of sense to Horse about how you structure games for women differently, um, what they need differently uh, you know, as leaders and everything uh, to run a football team. And apparently that just blew Horse's mind and he pretty much walked out of the room Gave uh, old uh, Tom Harley the wink and being like, "Yep, go for it." Basically, is what happened. <laughs> so that's that's saying a lot. If our horses are uh, you know really uh, entertained and really appreciated the way that he thought about football, especially for the women's, I think we're in a good place. I think we're in a pretty good place. Um, yeah, other off off field leadership, we've got Kate Mahoney, which is the AFLW GM, so um, the executive GM for AFLW specifically. Uh, so effectively aligns with Tom Harley on that side. Um, she comes from a uh, institute of sport background. She's an ex-physio. She worked with uh, Australian cricket uh, before this and specifically about women's. So there's a very strong focus, as you're hearing me, 
uh, about making sure that we look after women's football for women uh, in that sense. So the, 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 the whole leadership, just like in typical Bloods culture, Steve-O, and probably opportunity for you comment, feels like it's being set up rather than being uh, built out of nothing. There's, there's, there's a genuine build of a undercurrent of culture here before they move on. That's the, that's the way I gauge it. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about those two, like um, like Gowans and, and Kate Marnie, they're both people who've got a very strong background in elite performance in in various sports, and that's really important. I think when you're building a new program, which it is a new program, this is this team has played ten games. Um, that's, I mean, by the end of this season, it'll be twenty games if we don't make finals. That's that's still like twenty is still less than a single standard AFL men's season. It's not much football, and mm. in a short time, it's very important when you're getting that off to make sure you've got good people to begin with. And, and that are buying into a to a vision, I think, and that's what um, that's what I'm hoping for with the with the Swans women's team. They're looking good off the field. Beauty. Looking really good. Is that is, is that how you pronounce the name, Marnie? Maybe. Don't don't ask me. Uh, ask Nod. Oh. Nod's Nod and Nod and me have quite a history of me not pronouncing names. <laughs> Fighting things in <laughs> any t- way sensible. <laughs> he I thinks that everything to- I say sounds Finnish, and he's probably right. You know, I, I refuse to uh, to um, call Dulwich Hill Dulwich Hill. I call it Dulwich Hill. I, I, Dulwich. I'm not doing it. I'm not Would doing it. Would you say it. Mahoney or Mahoney? I don't know how to say that. I'd say Mahoney. Mahoney, Mahoney. Yeah. Anyway, she looks like she's she's a good one. <laughs> That's all. Oh, this is what you get from an ethnic kid from Campbelltown trying to make a podcast, mate. I'm not going to commit, pronounce too many and, things right. And some anyway. guy <laughs> who grew up on the central coast and now lives in Finland. <laughs> we got no chance. Yeah. Listeners are on your own at this point. Uh, <laughs> hey, mate, let's get stuck into some of the captains for the first yep. inaugural year. Uh, we had Maddie Collier, Brooke Lachlan, and Lauren Schetti. Um, Yeah, massive over there. Like some, uh, it's a bit of a uh, bit of quality, a bit of talent, a bit of uh, leadership going on. What do you see there? Yeah, I mean, the one that's really going to be missed, I think, is is Maddie Collier. She's out for the year with an ACL, mm. unfortunately, and and not having her is going to be a big deal. She brings a lot of experience to the squad, and of course she's still around the team, she's still around the, the club, she's not lost to the to the world, she's still on the list, she's just on the inactive list. Um, but she's played 39 AFLW games, and when you think that, that AFL seasons are usually ticking in at around you know 10-ish games, 39 is a lot to have played, going all the way back to 2017 in the foundation year. She played with the Giants, and then she was at West Coast for a couple of years. Um, she played the, the whole second half, over last year, she had a bit of injury to begin with, and she's she's been back fit, and she'll definitely be one that would have been nice to have. But yeah, you know, a big problem actually, and this has come up in in women's sport generally, is the occurrence of ACL injuries is much higher, like much much higher than in the men's game. We've got two on the inactive list already mm. for this season from the preseason, and it's something that you know a lot of research is going to have to go into to figure out what's going on because so many of these women are losing big blocks of their careers to ACLs. That's pretty that's pretty nuts. It's a and again, this is kind of pointing out some of the differences between the men's and the women's competition that just come also come down to biology. So we're, we're, that's that's all kind of part of it. Mate, let, look, we're going to not talk about the result of last year too much because it was a gross season. Look, we came in last um, with no wins to speak of our name, but definitely some good signs. And as we suggested and as the club had been uh, mentioning throughout the entire preseason and season that this was a season for setup, not necessarily a season for wins. Um, any points that you want to raise here, mate, before we moved on? Yeah, I mean... There were definitely some blowouts. There were some results where the other team just absolutely got away from us and, and beat us by a big margin. But there were some really promising ones too. And 
And, and that's what I talked about when I was talking about um, when we talked about Gowans just before the coach, the work that he's done with a very, very young and very developing group. A lot of the players on the Swans list are like 18, 19, 20. A lot of them are playing AFLW for the first time. And even though they were getting blown out some weeks, they still went in some really good efforts. And um, like the three that I think were the most most promising against the Hawks, we got within four points. We kicked the first four goals of the game and they just came back and back and back and got us by four at the end, which was just Was that that game? Oh, yeah, so was, sad. It was the day before the grand final too, so mm, it was a double whammy. But yeah, it was not a nice weekend for Swans fans at all. <laughs> and then, um, and then the Bombers, we got within four points of them too. They beat us by four. We led by ten at half time in that one. So, so that was another one where we were in a in a good winning position, just couldn't close it out. And then Fremantle, who have been a, a consistently good team. I mean, Fremantle's made the finals what three mm. or four times out of the out of the seasons that have gone through the finals. They're a good team. They were injury depleted, to be fair. They they were missing some good players in that game, but we were leading them by a goal midway through the third quarter, and then they got us by 14 in the end. So the fact that Science. in those 10 yeah. games, yeah, like they, they really did have some good efforts, and a couple of games they could have could have got and didn't quite get. Um, Hawks and Bombers were both um, both expansion teams, same as us. We were within four mm. points of, of both of them, and... There's a lot in that to make me think that there's plenty to be excited about going forward with some of the new guys, um, new girls that have been added to the squad in the yep. off season and a full year of development, the preseason, like you said. So an actual preseason this time around. Yeah. yeah. So okay, it was it was a none and ten season that that happens, but mm. there were signs that they were getting better as the season went on. The wins that were well, not the wins, but like the the sort of close to wins that I just mentioned came in rounds five, eight, and nine. So that's building, you know, mm. through the year they mm. were getting better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember that Richmond game. Uh, we we got up pretty well. I think uh, I think Brooke Lachlan uh, kicked three in the first uh, in the first quarter, perhaps. And yeah, then, she uh, did. Yeah. yeah, and then we and then basically we just couldn't hold on to that lead. And then they, Richmond just kind of, oh, sorry Hawks just started taking it back uh, out of Punt Road. So, but one of the cool things about it, the place was filled up with fans, especially Swans fans, which was amazing. It was actually uh, you could only get in if you were an AFLW member for the Swans. They filled up. They were like, look, we've only got allocated spot for XYZ. We've only got like something like 50 more people that we can fit in, and you have to be an AFLW member. So me and uh, uh, um, Noddy's brother, uh, Nugget, we ended up actually getting ourselves in and having a few beers and watching the girls and just cheering on from the sideline. It was so much fun. So it was extra extra football is always required. I'm all for it, man. Um, look, last year's best and fairest. Let's get stuck into a few of the, uh, the players and we want to celebrate the girls, especially in that inaugural season. Um, so let's get into that. The best and fairest for the year uh, was Cynthia Hamilton, um, uh, sister of Alexi, which we'll get into in a second, at 81 uh, votes. Montana Ham, the bull, at 71 points and Sophia Hurley at 62. Yeah, some pretty nice names there and three girls that we suspect are going to kind of turn it on again for this season. Uh, you got a couple of things there about the club, mate, um, about what we've done as a, as a club in itself in the first year. Yeah, and, and what you talk about um, like a new fresh start too. Those players that you all mentioned, they're all they're mm. all very young and they're going to get better and they're at the top of our best and fairest. And, and people, I think, saw that and were excited about that and wanted to come and, and watch them. I mean... I mean, Montana Ham and Sophia Hurley, they were both top five draft picks. Ham went yep. first and, and Hurley went fifth to the Swans, both from Victoria, which is really exciting. Hamilton is from, um, she's more local. She's from, like, sort of Canberra, like ACT sort of area. Mm. Queenbian, um, yeah. Yeah, Queenbian, yeah. 
around there. And um, but the other two, Ham and Hurley, they were both absolutely elite rated juniors who wanted to come to Sydney, so they nominated to come and, and play their football at the Swans and I think they both got great looking careers ahead of them and both yeah not even 20 years old yet and and yeah people want to come watch that so we had the most members of any club 7,757 members was the most in the whole AFLW um, to compare to the Giants who are also in the Sydney market the Giants had just under 3,000 and they were 14th on the list so the Swans have got strong support in Sydney um, and then home crowds was the fourth highest in the whole comp as well so 3,773 was the top crowd. I was sorry, was the average crowd for the Swans at home, and yeah, that was fourth on the whole AFL. And ahead of us was interestingly enough two other expansion teams, Port and Essendon, and then Melbourne. Um, and then Giants was 16th with 1,500. So they're doing something right. People are signing up to be members, and people are coming to watch. Yep, I love it. And it's just extra football. And as Swans fans, seeing some all red and white out there, fire out, I don't care where it comes from. That's It's, it's the way it needs to be. Um, a few honourable mentions. Uh, mate, do you want to take it away with a couple for yours of just players that probably should just point out and just say a couple of words about? Yeah, massive one for me, Ella Heads. Um, yeah, she's from sure. Inner West in Sydney, so she's like a, a genuine local. They're playing half their games at Henson Park. It couldn't be more local for um, for Ella. And she was fifth in the best and fairest last year. She played every game in her debut season. And she was one of the ones, actually, that... Because when the stuff started, we didn't really know who a lot of these players were. Like, a couple of the ones who'd played in previous seasons, we recognised um, that had been on, on AFLW lists for other teams that then came to the Swans. But of all these young ones, there was a lot of really, really young players and we sort of didn't really have a clue who they were because it was a new season, new team. And she was one of the ones in the first game, I'm like, well, she's a good player. And I looked her up, she was like 18 years old, like, she's she's little sorry she's not little she's actually she's a good size for a girl yeah yeah strong yeah she's very strong strong, and she's so competitive like Mm. you watch her live and she she's she's a little bit nasty i like it like i liked her 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 fight so yeah big fan and big raps especially local girl like like you said that's always helpful and i and i guess maybe if we're going a little bit of a tangent mate you were talking about what it takes to some get some of these girls so these aren't professional athletes right these are not athletes that are going to be paid you know in the hundreds of thousands of dollars per year that can just pack up all their stuff move to a new city rent a place and then just start living out of the new city they don't have that capacity they're not full-timers these are girls who probably need to they well, not probably they need to move to sydney in order to play for sydney in the same way they need to move to wa or they need to move to brisbane or adelaide or whatever else so getting some players to play for the swans from different places like all these other states it comes with a lot of effort on behalf and a lot of commitment on behalf of these girls who have to get over here so having um local talent is significantly important much more important even than the men's game that's the way i read it mate do you agree yeah, totally. And it's like you said, like you said that they're, in terms of when we think about like professional athletes, they're doing all of the work, all of the training, everything a professional athlete is expected to do. But in many cases, having to do another job full time and then be a professional athlete full time for for the period of the AFLW season, which is 10 weeks plus preseason. But then they're also playing in their state league comps. So, so these women are, are full-time professional athletes that just are not being recognised and compensated as such, which means that the the reality, like you said, of moving interstate to play means you need to plan more than just your football. You've got to figure out, mm. you know, what you're going to do for the other 20 weeks of the um, 20 months, yeah. 20 months, weeks. I'm struggling with numbers today. <laughs> the, other, <laughs> the other 20 weeks of the year. God. Yeah. 
No, no, you're right. It, and it, this is, they're all over here, either, either here studying or they've gotten themselves professional jobs here. Like yeah. Chloe Malloy, which we're talking about in the next segment, is, uh, you know, moved over here. I like, got excited and basically had to find herself, you know, her profession and, and, and get moving with that. So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just the extra level commitment. So anyone out there who's just questioning what it takes to be an AFLW player, it's not only what you have to do in the field. It's actually uprooting your entire life, heading over to another city to get that going. So it's, it is so much commitment. It just baffles my mind, honestly. It really does baffle my mind. And that's not to say that it doesn't happen in AFL. For sure, the men's absolutely have to. They go to different schools. They've got to move to different states, you know, go into VFL programs. They've got to do a lot of effort. But there, there is a minimum wage over there that is actually significantly better than anything you're going to see in AFLW. And yeah. support at a lot of clubs outside the Swans is probably not there in some instances, um, yeah. which, you know, is something. Um some important events, mate. Like the number one event that kind of came up is, of course, our very first game at North Sydney Oval. If anyone was out to that game, it was absolutely insane. Sell out, everyone in great moods. And what I loved most about it was just hearing, you know, 10-year-old girls kicking off the Sydney chants, like just randomly throughout the game. And now that's something you don't hear. You typically hear the, the male-dominated voices amongst them. 50-50 in a lot of cases, especially where you are. But... In this instance, it was these little girls kicking it out, and it was so beautiful. And the game was so much fun. Um, a couple of big moments. First disposal goes to Montana Ham, our number one pick, as you mentioned earlier. Um, the first goal went to Rebecca Privatelli, um, who's actually also a bit of FYI, the first player to ever cross town from GWS to Sydney, uh, which is interesting. Um, yeah, and it was a packed house at North Sydney. I had to park myself in front of some bloke's uh, house in his front yard and just walked away. I'm like, I, I don't know where to park the car, dude. Like this whole North Sydney thing was bollocks. So <clears throat> don't drive next time. So, but yeah, huge moments over there. Um, a couple, couple extra stats, mate. Do you want to take it away with a couple stats from last year? Some leaders there. Um, I'll go for the for the tackles because I I love tackle stats. Sophia Hurley, yeah. she was the most. That's that's forty four. In in ten games, so that's what four and a half a game. That's that's a good number, and and she's yeah, like I said before, like a big part of our future, and one of the ones who's come up from Victoria and wanted to be part of this. And I think um I think studies was part of the lure to get her up. She's studying, I think. So that at UNSW, I think that's where she's gone. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, but I think I think the uni course was part of the reason that she came or wanted to come. So she's a great one to have. Love it. And uh, the other one, the stat that I just, just as an FYI for our first year is seven goals uh, was the best for the girls. Uh, Brooke Lachlan, as I mentioned earlier, with the three and one one quarter, got uh, did that in 10 games. And uh, Rebecca Privatelli, the first goal scorer for the AFLW Swans in the nine games. So a couple of uh, cool items there just to flag out. So look, let's get stuck straight into the off season and into the, the season for this year. Um Mate, do you want to take it away with a couple of uh, trades and uh, new players that we ended up getting in for the off-season? Yeah, well, yes, the big one that we brought in was Laura Gardner from the Cats. We traded our, our first pick in the in the sort of supplementary draft for her. Um, actually, I'll explain. That's probably easier. Before we start this, it's easier to explain how the, the draft worked this year. Because, yeah. um, because there'd been some disjointed seasons and confusing timings, they didn't hold a full draft this year. They only held a draft for 19 and over players. So effectively, the players who 
were also in the previous year's draft pool because it was a very short gap between the two and also because COVID had messed things up and there'd be no underage competition between one draft and the next. So they didn't draft any young players. So the draft was very small this year. The Swans had the first pick. There was there was clearly no one in there that they wanted to get because the draft is based on where you nominate. So the players, because like you said, and we were talking about before, it's it's not a full-time competition. So the reality is that it might be very difficult for players to move outside their state. For the draft, it changed this year that you can only nominate for either the entire draft, so anyone can take you, or you can pick to be in your home state. So hmm. there was no one there, I guess, that the Swans um, would have been able to get access to. So they thought they'd swap out their first pick to Geelong for Laura Gardner, who's a very good player. She's... um. She was the best and fairest at Geelong's VFLW team a couple of years ago. She played 10 out of 11 games for the Cats last year, including their final. So she'll be a really good addition to the team, I think. Yeah, solid. That's really good. Um, the other thing that the AFLW does in terms of like you know, drawing in some talent for these um, for the new expansion teams that the Swans were part of last year and for this year, and I, I don't know how much longer it goes for, but they have what's called a PSP, the Pro- Priority Signing Period. Uh, where the teams are allowed to sign five players from other clubs and just not have to trade for them. So just go out there and just go, hey, do you want to play for the Swans? Do you want to move to Sydney? Yeah, go on then. And they come on over. So that's particularly helpful um, that the Swans could do that. And we actually got a couple for that effort. Um, The club that we pinch, effectively pinch, pinch those players from, uh, get themselves a, 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 a pick in the draft, I think in the first round, but that goes to next year, so not in the current year. That goes into 2024. So that's their compensation for that. Mate, we've got some tidy, tidy players. And I know we've done a video on Chloe Malloy, mate, but do you want to take it away with Chloe? Well, when I saw the news that we'd signed her, I was like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> like, she's a top-shelf player. She's um, I mean, she's coming from Collingwood, where she has had a very, very strong career already. She's been, what, twice All-Australian. She's won the Pies Best and Ferris. She's won their leading goal kicker a couple of times. She's um, Rising Sun, uh, Rising yeah, Star. Yeah, yeah, she won the the Rising Star. She's um, She won the AFL Players Association Best First yeah. Year Player in her first year, I think, 2018. She's now signed a five-year contract at the Swans, which is the longest in the history of the AFLW. So we've got her locked in for quite a while which is um which is massive news for the swans really and and like we we're talking before how those two elite young players um hurley and ham both wanted to come to sydney and be part of this and mm. and that's great but to think that a player of her caliber wants to leave victoria and come here and be part of this to me suggests that there's something that she can sniff that's worth getting herself involved in yeah, that's that's exactly the way. And there's actually a little bit. There's even more to it. So not only did she come from a pie, she's actually pies through blood. Like she, her dad played for the pies. I think she's got lots of family history in there. So it's it is quite a massive signing for her to roll on over to the Swannies. And I can understand why we were we, we should be so excited about her. But not only has she made herself into a captain. In the off season, she had an interview with one of her ex players. Uh, sorry, ex teammates uh, at the pies. And her comment on why she decided to move over at, uh, to move Sydney, this, this is what her response was, and I just absolutely love it. Um, they haven't had their first win and they haven't shied away that they underperform immensely. I kind of want to be that player that Sydney were calling out for help and I want to be the one to answer that call and go over there and take responsibility. I know I'm not going to do it all by myself, but I think in the name 
um, I've been able to create for myself to take over at Sydney. I feel I can do them a lot of good. So this is a girl who's not coming over presuming that we're going to win a game. This is a girl who's coming in here to work and to get that win, to work as part of that win. So that's just just her mannerisms, her leadership right off the bat has just come across as just special. So very, very, very excited about Chloe Malloy. Um, the other one that we signed up uh, from the Blues uh, during that period is Lucy McAvoy, mate. Do you have any news on McAvoy? Yeah, again, a really, really well-regarded player with a lot of experience. She's come from Carlton. She's played 33 games. She played all 10 games for them um, for them last year. And her along with um, with Malloy is really exciting. And, and like I said, another another very high-caliber um, top-level player who wants to be part of Sydney. Yeah, kicks goals, makes tackles, gets possessions, gets marks. Like she's very, very good. And those two actually make up the new leadership uh, that's taken over for this year. So that's fantastic. And that's just two girls with a lot of experience in the AFLW system from two different clubs, one at Carlton, one at the Pies, you know, teams that have been in there for, in the comp for some time. They've got plenty of season experience under them. This is particularly exciting. So we're very, very, very lucky to have picked up such caliber in the offseason. Maybe we've lost a couple. Um, do you want to take it away with those? Yeah, the big one, I mean, there, there were quite a few delistings of players who were sort of on the fringes, at least we won't go through them one at a time, but the the big one is Molly Eastman was traded to the Tigers and, and she was she was really good. She played every game last year for the Swans, or 10. She was seventh in our best and fairest. So, I mean, it's great that we've brought in some, some really high calibre players from elsewhere, but that's one that would have been nice to keep, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other couple, uh, some Irish players that have made their way in as well, which is pretty fun. So we've got Jennifer Higgins, um, Gaelic football, um, and uh, Paris McCarthy uh, from First Division from Kerry, uh, Gaelic uh, as well, Julia O'Sullivan and Tanya Kennedy. So a few players there. Anyone of them to note before we move on? Oh, the one I'm most excited about actually is um, is Jennifer Higgins. She's she's a real. I was, I was looking her up when we signed her. Um, she's had a really long career at the top level of, um, of Gaelic football in Ireland. She's had a 13-year career there, and um, and she'll bring a lot of experience of how to operate in an elite environment, I think. And, and the transition from the Gaelic game to the Australian game, we've seen so many times in the men's and now in the women's as well in the last mm. few years, that it's, it's quite a smooth transition a lot of the time. I remember watching the Irish team... Like the Irish national team for Australian football live, I was I was over in in Sweden a few years ago for a, with the Finnish Aussie Rules national team at a tournament, and and I was goal umpiring at the um because the like the coaches had to take turns goal umpiring for some of the other games, and I was goal umpiring at the Ireland versus I think it was Croatia versus Croatia women's game, and the Irish girls were amazing. Like they yeah. they were ridiculously good with the ball. And this is at the amateur level. These are ones who haven't even thought about coming over to Australia. I mean, some of them are now playing in the AFLW, some of those girls who mm. play in that game. And they were just so sharp and so strong and so fit and so fast. And if she's been playing top-level Gaelic football for 13 years, I reckon that she'll pick up footy pretty quick. Yeah, AFLW is one of the most uh, professionalized women's comps in the world. Uh, so if these girls are out there playing Gaelic football, which even in the men's is still uh, a, an amateur game uh, and a number of different you know, sports and basketball and everything, and they're just unbelievably talented, they, you know, the transition over to AFLW can happen pretty smoothly, as you said, especially with Gaelic football hurling 
It's a lot of running. There's a lot of positioning, hand-eye coordination. You've got to be super fit. You've got to be very competitive. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a great transition. So that that is a good shout, mate. Uh, it's got some nice players there. We might see some good stuff out of the the Irish contingent. Um, Haley Bullis uh, came from uh, West Coast, but another one that will miss the season with the partial ACL tear. And that's a real unfortunate with between. Um, yeah, those two, Collier and Bullis, that we miss out on them. Both very, very good, accomplished players, and we were going to very much miss them on the field, but that is AFL, I guess. The other thing that happened in the off-season, that's just a point of note, that is you know, just a special thing. Uh, Scott Gowans did come out and uh, tell everyone that he was um, or had contracted uh, prostate cancer in the off-season. Um, so what that did, of course, is just like shake up everything. It's like he's got to look after himself as number one. And the great news is that he actually beat it. So he's actually beaten his cancer. He's on the other side of that uh, and just back to looking after the girls full time. So good on Scott, mate. And for every of those men out there, get yourselves checked. It's just be a man, get yourself checked, basically. All right. <clears throat> that's the preseason. That's the off. Sorry, that's the off season, rather. Season eight in the AFL 2023 competition, mate. Take it away. What's new for this year? What's new well, this year? It's it's going to be another ten game season, which um, which I mean, a lot of people were hoping for a, a longer season than ten games. It's going to be ten games again, so eighteen teams, ten games, and the same final eight season system for the finals as as the previous incarnation in season seven in 2022 it'll start in september which is a little bit later than last year and it'll end in december which again is a little bit later so it's gradually being pushed back like you said or, or maybe they're trying to find a place in the calendar for it it's very hard it was it was really frustrating actually it was it was so annoying just having no information for months and months and months as to when <laughs> yeah, like three weeks before <laughs> and, and we're like... just we're just watching the bloody games like these these women are playing, you know. They've got to yeah. organise their lives. I mean, the AFL I think has has not um, has not been great with the way that they've just constantly chopped and changed and been very late to give information. It's it's annoying enough as a fan, let alone as mm-hmm. a person that's that's in a club. Um, but then, but then, yeah, like you said, at least it's not going to be in the scorching sun. I don't know, like pretty hot in December, right? The grand final is going to yeah. be in early December. It could be 35 degrees. In, in the yeah, especially the way, the way everything's going. It freaking could be 40. They never know what's yeah. happening in Europe right this year. So, yeah, not, not nice. Um, I would yeah would love to see the season start earlier. I don't know why we don't, uh, but just, I don't know if there's a reason to rhyme for it, but we'll figure it out in time. Um, there's a couple of new rules for this year, um, and I'm just going to read them out. So uh, I guess for some people out there, the, the, the change in the rules, I guess just mostly interesting, but um, you, you'll see a bit of a trend here. So um, there'll be um, teams going to work with an interchange cap for the first time. So prior to that, they can interchange as often as they wanted. So now it's limited to 60. Uh, and that is uh, so a big change and, and really going to have to be some admin staff on point there, especially uh, the kangaroos, no doubt. <clears throat> we'll just get that kick that one more time. Uh, get the most out of that. <laughs> um, the boundary umpires are going to take the inside 50 throw-ins uh, back to the boundary line. Up until now, they've been actually walking it into the ground and then throwing it in from there to kind of get the ball going further in the middle rather than on the wing, uh, on the boundary rather. So that's a bit of a change. And throw in between the arcs will remain 10 meters into the field, like I just suggested. So that's the difference there. And also the quarters are going to be two minutes longer. So an extended game. So basically getting the girls up to playing at the set, relatively the same standards as the men are with the expectation of 
getting all that done while also being paid significantly less. <clears throat> I guess too, um, with that one yeah, that yeah. I think, um, it's not a new rule for this year, but it's a rule that's different. So if, if people are used to watching the men's footy in the, in the women's, when the ball goes out of bounds between the 50 meter arcs, it's um it's last touch out of bounds rule. So if it goes outside of the boundary line inside 50, it's a throw in like normal. But as soon as you get onto that wing area between the two 50 meter lines, if it's been a hand pass or a kick over the line, it's an automatic free kick to the other team as if it was out of bounds on the full. And and that can take a bit of getting used to um, mm-hmm. if you're if you're used to watching the like the throw ins all around the boundary line. They have used the AFLW as a little bit of um, testing grounds. Uh, in in the past, is try to change some things up, and they have that ability, I guess, with the shortened seasons and and maybe less um, less people screaming at uh, every decision that gets made by the AFL headquarters. Um, so it's kind of interesting what they suggest to do, and, and some of it's um, supposedly going to start making its way into the men's game. So we'll find out where that is. Um, a couple of extra things here. AFLW does have its own tipping competition. So if you love your tipping, get involved. Then the AFLW for the first year this year is going to have a fantasy league. So if, you, if you're if you a stats guru, you love your fantasy, get involved. And they have the same uh, prize for this year that the men's do. I think a different car, but a car. So you can win a car if you come first in the fantasy, if you're all about that. So no doubt Noddy will be. He's always got himself about 17 yeah, teams. Be, the guys will be insane. all over it. Yep, yeah, <laughs> all over. Already been talking to a bloke online about where to get these stats from and everything. So, <laughs> if you're not sure, ping us uh, at the bevy. We'll send you in the right direction for stats if you're interested. Um, and another big bit, bit, big bit of news for the beginning of this season is actually that the AFLW and the AFL will have the same amount of money for the finals teams. So, 1.1 Australian million dollars will be split amongst the team. Uh, top eight in the women's competition and typically top four in the men's uh, that happened for last year. So what that's all about, I guess, is is really – we're talking just before we started. We're not sure if that goes to the girls or that goes to the club or that maybe the girls have that built into their contracts or something. Either way, it's basically allowing for a bit more money to kind of trickle into the competition uh, and, and the way that the competition is set up and we'll get into the games and who we play – is that you know teams are going to play some weaker teams if you're at the bottom of the ladder and there's going to be hopefully some churning of the ladder through the next few years so we want to be on the top end of all of that uh the other thing uh, worthwhile talking about um uh, we've got a new ceo of afl that's going to kick in for next year uh we're going to refer to him as dylan mcgurkin because uh that's just i think his name we're not sure uh and he's in quotations asked for sustainable growth Mate, do you want to take it away with what you think that means, or is there any concern with those words? I, I think that the messaging from AFL House is that there is no clear message when it comes to this competition. <laughs> honestly, feels like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, 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 one of the things we wanted was to take the girls out to twelve games of a year, uh, and they knocked that back. And the suggestion was that they wanted, in quotations, sustainable growth. Don't know what that means. No one knows what that means. Apparently, they have a three to five year plan about what it's going to take. No one's seen it, so we don't Do know they? what it is. Well, yeah, no. so cool. Thanks. Let us know maybe one day. So we don't have a lot to work with there, but it just makes me concerned. Are they going to start putting the brakes onto this competition when they really shouldn't with the growth that it's getting? Um, like, yeah, why can't so you just I, make it? Like, just it's ten games now. There's eighteen yeah. teams. Just make it a bloody seventeen rounds. Everyone plays everyone once. You've got a fair yep. or mostly fair fixture. I mean, you'll alternate home grounds from your dear 
you have to work that out, and then off you go. And then you can you can pretty much overlap it with them in the season. It can start a bit later and finish a bit earlier. They're going to have a standalone grand final on the bye week at the end of this oh, season. So, yep. like, there you go. There's your season. So, three to five years to do what? Yeah. Rather than playing the first game in that off season, and then the next four weeks of the men's competition going on with finals, where that's the let's be fair, the focus is going to be on. Have that weekend to be the grand final. Like, make an event of this. Like, let's have five weeks of finals is what we're asking for here. So, anyway, it, it's, yeah. We're, we're disappointed. We're happy that this exists. And we're also disappointed maybe that we're not probably pushing as hard as we potentially can. But there could be a bunch of reasons for that that we're not aware of. So, let's keep that in mind. All right, mate. Preseason matches. We played a couple of games uh, so far. So, mate, take it away with those preseasons. We did. We got a couple of wins, um, which was really great. So, the, so the first, you know, two two wins in Swans colours. One was in a sort of unofficial scratch match kind of thing. I guess you could call it. They called it match simulation or something. It was against the Gold Coast up in the Gold Coast. We we beat them by seven points, which was good. Seven five to to five ten. Um, and and some of our good players that we just talked about there from the best and fairest last year were good again. Um, Hamilton was really good. Hurley was good. Malloy, the the new signing, was good. Privatelli had a good game. Um, Morfitt was really strong as well. Um, Privatelli kicked a couple of goals, which is exciting. And then and then in the official sort of AFLW sanctioned preseason match against Carlton, um, we got another win. We got up by nine points. We beat them five eight. To, um, to 4-5 which was again the same players were in the best Hamilton, Hurley, Malloy get used to hearing these names all year because they <laughs> yep. chop it up yep. um, Gardner the the new signing was also named in the best Hamilton kicked a couple of goals Lachlan, Malloy, Privatelli all got goals and the thing I love most about this is um, seeing them hit the scoreboard because that's what mm. we did not do last year like we just didn't score goals and we, we conceded a lot of points whatever you need to kick goals to win games of football and then if you're scoring, sometimes the defence figures it out because they don't have the ball as much because you're scoring. You know, you've got it going forward. They don't have as much time to rack up a score when you've got the footy more and you're kicking goals and putting pressure on the scoreboard. So that's six goals average per game in the preseason, which is really good. And and bearing in mind that in a in an AFLW game, like sort of six to eight is a is a pretty competitive score. That that won't win you every game, but it'll win you a lot of games of footy in AFLW. Six to eight goals. It's much lower scoring than the men's comp because of the nature of the game, um, and they're shorter quarters also, which makes a big difference. Um, so yeah, we averaged six goals a game in the preseason. Last season we averaged two point nine over ten wow. games. And, and I'm going to read out our goal totals from last year, 4-2-2-0-4-0-2-7-4-4. Both of those preseason games were better than all but our best effort last year, which was that seven that we kicked against the um against the Bombers, I guess, wasn't it? Superb. Yep. That's yeah. off to a really, really strong start, it looks like. Yeah. So that's huge. I and mean, we need to be scoring. I mean, last year our percentage was 359 I'm looking at the ladder now. Was that percentage last year? 207 for 577 against. If we can build those points four up and and trim off a few of the against, then that's already a big step forward, I think. And and just these signs in the preseason that they're hitting the scoreboard is is a good start. Yeah, and and, and watching the games last year uh, in person and, and on telly, it, it did feel like the the back line was just gassed. Like as you can imagine, if the ball keeps going making those entries and they're having to do all this work. It's tough for them. It's really tough for them. So maybe a season of just being bombarded constantly and a good preseason and some organization and some coaching, yeah, you never know why that back line can just really solidify themselves. And if we start scoring some goals, as you said, takes the pressure off some of these girls. Um, 
we spoke quickly about what happened last season. This is a stand. So a couple of things that's kind of changed. The first season, like as I mentioned earlier, was all about growth, uh, about setting up a system, about setting up the players, leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there was a lot of uh, words about you know intent and and, and compete and et cetera. This year, the, the 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 wording coming out of the head coach in Scott Gowans is very very clear. He is not messing around. This is one thing that he said maybe a week or two ago. I want girls to be fighting for their spots. I want to ring them to tell them they don't have a position. Compete, work rate, oh, keep the game yeah. intact. Yeah, he's guys hardcore. Yeah, he's Effort and intensity around. brings about performance. Effort and intensity brings about performance. So he's not messing around. This guy is like saying, these girls, I want to tell them they don't have a position because I want other girls to step up. He's creating competition within the team and I, I'm all for it, mate. What do you think? Oh, that's great. And and that's that's what you want. And and this is where it's up to now. Like you, you can't just, at least I don't think, you can't just go into a season thinking, oh yeah, we're going to go over and we're going to play some footy and we'll probably get knocked around a bit and maybe we can pinch a win. That's, that's not the attitude of a club that's got a plan going forward, I don't think. What Gowan said is much more exciting. Yeah, 100%. A couple of like extra things there. He did make it very clear in like three of the last chats he had with media that he doesn't necessarily want the the, the board to be in the hands of, you know, the leaders and, you know, um, Malloy and McAvoy. Uh, he wanted them he wanted the game to be shared he wanted everyone to work he doesn't need doesn't need these old heads to save the game every week he doesn't want that he wants the game to be shared across all of them so he's very much drilling into the girls that effort uh, and intensity is a swan's brand of football and i'm all about it i am here for it well mate let's get stuck into the season ahead so next week next sunday the 3rd of september at 305 get your tickets i'm not joking when i say this last year was a sellout and it's against GWS, our cross-town rivals. So get your tickets. Get your memberships now. Do not mess around with this. Make sure you go into this game. It is going to be nuts. Last year, it was absolutely solid. Mate, um, yeah, the draw bucks. for this year. Oh, I just $10. looked. I went on to Ticket Tech or Ticketmaster or whatever before. It 10 bucks to go yeah. along and watch like the best um, women football athletes in the country. 10 bucks so in, the, in the world for that matter. So you can't buy a beer for 10 bucks at the SCG. You can go and watch the, the team. You can't buy a beer anywhere in the world, to be, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, for ten dollars these days. So, yeah, you're right. Like, get into it. Like, it's it's. There's no excuses. If you're in Sydney, you got nothing on that day, which we know you don't for football because there is no men's games going on. Get to that game. Get to that game in North Sydney on Sunday. Um, the draw, mate. Take it away with the draw. I know you've done some analysis of who we play and when. Yeah, I, I was curious to see like what our balance of games was in terms of quality of opponents and where and stuff because there are Swans fans all over the country. Like we've got the most members of um of any any club, and a lot of them are not in Sydney. They're scattered everywhere. Like you were, you've done a lot of chats with the um with the people from WA, for example. So good news is that um that WA is getting a Swans game in round ten. Um, but from the start of the fixture, we've got the Giants at home at North Sydney. Then we've got Geelong again at North Sydney in the first two weeks. Then we go away to Brisbane, so going to Queensland for Swans, Swans fans up in Queensland. We'll play the Lions, and they're a good team. They, they lost the grand final last year. That'll be a big test early. Then Henson Park against the Eagles. So that's um, that's another home one. Then we've got Carlton away. got Port in South Australia. So South Australian fans get to go and watch the Swans. Everyone is, is getting a look. Then we play the Hawks at Henson again, and that's the Mangrook game. So get along to that one. Then the Dogs away in, in Melbourne. So we've got a couple of games in Melbourne them plus the Carlton one and then back at Henson round nine for the Pride game against Collingwood so that'll be a huge one I think and then finish up with um with Frio in in Perth West Australia so the Swans are in every state that has an AFLW team we're playing a game 
so everyone gets a chance to go and look at them. Yeah, hey, that's awesome. All Swans fans yeah. get involved. If they're in your local area, make sure you get there. So it's going to be wicked. How, how yeah. does this? How does the season look in terms of uh, who do we play in in form of the ladder? I presume well. given. To, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take yeah the, the AFL has has given us a a bit of a, a lift on the fixture. <laughs> so Love it's, it. it's a good it's a good fixture. We play ten games. Of the ten games, we play eleventh, twelfth, fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth from last season. The game against Brisbane is the only game we play against the top five from last year. Brisbane came second. And then we play, um, who do we play? We play Collingwood, who came sixth. We play the Cats, who came seventh. And then we've got the Dogs, who came eighth. So it's a good fixture. And, and there's got to be some wins. In that in that block of games, like 11th, 12th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, I reckon there's got to be a couple that we can get in that lot. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Let's get going. Um all right, mate. Season predictions. Uh, do you want to name any here? What do, you, what do you reckon about? All right, let me start off with this. Sydney's best and fairest for next year. One, two, three. In any order, who would be the three girls that you'd be probably predicting is going to be up there? Um, I'm going to give it in order. I'm going to be brave. I reckon. Oh, well. Yeah, <laughs> given given we haven't started the season yet, um, <laughs> and and half of them keep getting bloody injured. Yeah. Um, Sophia Hurley, she's my number one. I reckon she's going to have a huge year last year. She was exciting last year. I, I really enjoyed watching her play in the in the 2022 season seven. She's my pick for number one. Chloe Malloy, I think, is going to come in and just blast it. She'll have a huge season. And Cynthia Hamilton, she had an amazing first season. She won her best and fairest. I reckon she'll be in the top three. She'll be she'll be podium as well. And then I've got my fingers, my optimistic swan's fingers crossed that Montana Ham is going to miss <laughs> yeah. the first couple of games of the year, come back and play the last six and still poll enough votes to, to be challenging the top three. That's my hope. Yeah, I, I am going to that, – that's some nice names. I, I would probably say I'd join you there with those three. I might even go so far as to probably suggest that with Sophia Hurley has a good season, but I would replace that with our other leader in uh, Lucy McAvoy as well. So Lucy McAvoy, Chloe Malloy, and Cynthia Hamilton, especially Cynthia Hamilton, as you mentioned there. I've got to watch her a lot, and, yeah, she, she's she's not messing around. She's there to start wrecking people. Montana Ham is – unbelievably talented she's wildly talented she's a big girl too she's she stands at like 186 or something um but unfortunately she's uh, gotten herself injured so uh she's not really able to play the first couple of games as you mentioned there in last season as well she um i think she did a knee but managed to come back in a couple of mm. games after so she's had two seasons where she's not been able to have a full run of it but i i, I think what you're predicting and what i'm predicting too is if she plays a full season she basically wraps up a lot of awards. She's she's very very good. We're very lucky oh, to have she'll, her. She'll blast it. Like I was looking yeah. at the um, oh, they had an article on the on the website, on the AFLW website, and I was looking through. It was like all of the captains. You know how at the beginning of the season they predict like who wins the flag and who kicks the most goals and all this. Yeah. And out of the out of the captains, and you weren't allowed to play. You weren't allowed to nominate your own team players, of course. Um. Mm. So of the seventeen other teams, two of those captains picked um picked Montana Ham when asked who would be your dream recruit if you could take one player from another club. Two out of seventeen. That's that's a lot. That's um, good. Yeah, only only two other players got more picks than Montana in that. And and unfortunately, yeah, like you said, she's she's messed up her foot. It's it's some sort of stress injury, is it in the foot? It was some sort of was it a fracture? I yeah, can't it's remember. In a foot. Yeah. Yeah, but it's some sort of foot injury and she missed the preseason games and they're saying she's gonna definitely miss at least the first couple of the of the regular season and then they're gonna reassess. That's all they've said. They haven't set a timeline or anything, just that they'll reassess it. And it's tough because it's a ten week season. So so there's two sides of it. There's like 
there's the we need to look after our athlete and mm. and not blow her up for the sake of a handful of games but then there's the athlete who is like no nah, i get to play 10 games a year i want to play you <laughs> know all of them yeah. like yeah, that's it. Like, you're like, I don't care. I'll bust it. I'll just, I'll rest for 40 weeks, you know? And that's <laughs> that's, that's what the, the club doctors are going to be dealing with, I think. <laughs> yeah, especially with the competitors like these girls. Yeah, because these, these elite competitors don't like to be told they can't play. No, no. She'll run out there with strapping. She doesn't care. I yeah, think she's got, she got that thing. And like, look, at like just to give her an idea, she played seven games for last uh, year and there's like average of just over five tackles a game, 14 touches amongst everything else and just her general work rate and effort and just – Quality and strength. I got the height wrong earlier. Sorry, it's about one eighty centimeters. So she's pretty, pretty big for a girl. It's and a big unit, man. It's a big unit, and she, she's uh, wide. Like, they keep comparing her to Crips. She's like a Crips style player yeah. within the AFLW, and you can see it when you watch her play. So get excited. I, I, I want. We want to see her as much as we can because, uh, yeah, she's going to be an absolute gun, mate. Okay. Next prediction. Where do you predict that we finish for this year? Where do we finish? I'll, I'll start off by saying that. Um, it's, it's really tough as an expansion team to make an immediate impact. And I've, I looked back at the previous seasons. So when they, they really like did the mega expansion in 2020, they brought in the Suns, the Tigers, the Saints, and the Eagles. And then in 2022, they brought in the Bombers, Hawks, Port, and, and then us, the Swans. Those, those first three from 2020 that came in have now played three seasons. In those mm. entire combined three seasons between those four teams, there's only been one finals appearance, and that was Richmond last year. They came fifth. That's only one. And then last year, the expansion teams came 10th, 15th, 17th, and we came 18th last. So so I think realistically, given how it's gone for expansion teams, I think any improvement is good improvement. I'm not expecting finals, certainly not. I think we'll probably finish in the bottom six, but I don't think we're going to come last either. I reckon we'll we'll win at least, you know, hopefully two or three of those games against the weakest hides that I identified, and maybe even surprise one of the, the stronger ones would be nice. But the golf is still significant between the foundation clubs and the rest yep. it, it really is the, the original eight have, have still taking up the majority of the final spots and i predict that same is probably going to happen this year plus plus geelong and north world the original 10 we call it yep. and as you mentioned teams to beat as you mentioned earlier the team that we have is quite young as well Very and, young, and yeah. had and had Very to young. build that on yeah. purpose and as we, we we've suggested a few times designed on purpose to build the team up for, with personality and playing group and and a local lo- lot of local girls and we slowly started dripping some quality talent from outside but it is something to consider I, i'm going to be even i'm going to be much more hotter i'm going to go between eight and twelve i suggest Ooh. that we're going to be fighting up there uh-huh. for we're going to get a few wins sneak it up you know get some good momentum going uh smash a few of our uh, our expansion rivals and uh yeah, be fighting for a potential of a final spot. That's where that's where my goal is. It's a short season. You can do it too. It's like it's like mm. a it's like a greyhound race or something. Like once you get ahead, it's kind of hard to run you down. Once you win, you know, three or four of your first five or six, then teams are really chasing, and you can. So if we can get, you know, the first couple, if we could beat Giants and and the Cats in the first two at North Sydney, I mean, they're both strong teams, but. Yeah. It'd be nice because then in the middle of the season, listen to our runner teams that we play in the middle of the season. We play the West Coast, who came 16th. We play Carlton, who came 14th. We play Port, who came 17th. And we play Hawks, who play 15th, who came 15th. If we can pinch one of the first two, even, then there's four very winnable games all in a row. Yep, yep, bang on, bang on. Mate, we're also going to hear uh, in, in a prediction from Donnie, who runs Donnie's Disposals, who is probably the better AFLW podcast and been doing it for a little while now. So let's hear from Donnie on those two predictions. 
Hey there, Bevy of Bloods. It is the podcast number one fan over here in the States. It is Coach Donnie Hess from the Donnie's Disposals podcast. Wanted to reach out. Unfortunately, we could not make our schedules work out. I chatted with Chris a little bit earlier, and he wanted me to answer a few questions here. So he wanted to know, what are my top three for the BNF this season for the women's team? Number one, I think our BNF will be Chloe Malloy. Her X Factor, I think, is an, an excellent addition brought in to the team this year and i think she is going to be not only a fan favorite but i think she's going to be one that's going to pull very very well number two cynthia hamilton the returning bnf from last year i think she is ready to have another fantastic season this year and the youngster from new south wales i think is going to be fantastic this year and third i think a little bit of a smoky is laura gardner i think lucy mcavoy being back in the back i think will be a little bit difficult for her i think laura gardner steps into that midfield and really gives us a shot in the arm. She's had some fantastic performances in the VFLW performances in the last few years. So I think Laura Gardner could be a number three in our uh, BNFs at the end of the season. I was also asked, where do I think the Swans will finish this year? Ladder position. Unfortunately, I still do think they are going to potentially be a bottom six side. There are still a lot of very, very experienced teams and some teams in the middle of the comp that I think during the sign-in trade period, did a lot of good things and I think have improved their roster. But I do believe we will not be a wooden spoon team this year. I do believe we will get at least one victory. I think it could be up to two or three if the ladies can show some of the flashes that I have seen in some of the preseason games. Gentlemen, thank you for having me on the podcast. Hopefully, I can join you guys for a round review later on this year. It's been fantastic. And cheers from your friend at Donnie's Disposals. Donnie Coach Donnie Hess signing off. Cheers, Donnie. Very, very well-knowledged guy over there at uh, Donnie's Disposals. Make sure to follow him. He does AFLW uh, stuff and AFL in itself, so get over there and listen to him. I also got YouTube uh, as well if you prefer to watch that. Um, so, look, let's start wrapping this up. It's been a long episode, and thank you all for listening in, especially how excited we are about these girls kicking off into their second season. Uh, a couple of things that I'd suggest if you're really interested in hearing some more about it. Firstly, uh, the Sydney Swans AFLW Talking Footy podcast is available everywhere you'd normally see the podcast like ours. And it is very, very good. It goes into interviews with um, the CEOs. It goes into interviews with the people who started off the AFLW. It goes into interviews with our, uh, uh, our executive GM. Um, it goes into interviews with Scott. It goes into interviews with all of the girls that play as well. So it's very, very interesting. Great insight. Very fun. Very loose. And it actually, especially in the first few episodes, it's built with a lot of emotion as we led into this uh, first inaugural season of the AFLW. It, it's it's fascinating to hear as how it came together. It it came together seemingly rushed, but there was very decisive and clear uh, messaging and decisions all the way through that process. So definitely get involved in that. Um, and then there are a couple of a decent podcasts out there that do some stuff, and we'll probably start plasting that as the season goes on. If you're interested, we are going to be doing a uh, review of every game in the AFLW for this season. So we'll have the men's and the AFLW separated with each other. Uh, and so if you want to get twice as much footy, you know where to come. Come hit up your bevy. Mate, anything on your side you need to raise in one last thing? Oh, just that it's I'm stoked to have the season starting in like less than less than two weeks now, a bit over a bit over a week. And yeah, I, I wish I could be there. I mean I, I really would love to be able to go. I, because of, of flight schedules and work and stuff, I still haven't been able to see a live AFLW game, so I'm stinging to 
get over and I'm, I'm really envious of all of you who can go along to North Sydney next week and, and cheer for them. Yeah, it's going to go absolutely off. Well, look, that brings us to the end of the episode, but the beginning of the AFLW season. So get excited and get around it. So as always, we'll see you at North Sydney Oval next Sunday. But until then, up the bloods and can, can you, you swanies. swanies.